This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Boy, has it been a busy week. There's a lot of automotive news going on this week, and we have a lot to share with you on today's show. Uh, Today's show includes Miriam Joie, who is one of the leading tech bloggers, tech experts in the United States. We're going to talk about the big corner that has been turned in tech in automotive, plus find out what happened at this year's CES. Even though it was a virtual event, it doesn't stop tech evolving. She'll share with us what's going on tech-wise. Plus, we'll talk about the microchip shortage, which is slowing down the auto industry. We're going to find out all about the new Pathfinder from Nissan, get an in-depth look at that. The most fun-to-drive brand in the United States is Mini. Patrick McKenna Kenna joining us to talk about that. That's what we drove in today, isn't it, Jen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I clutched my seatbelt as Nick tossed me around the car. Yes. Um, why is that? Because Nick thought it was an F1 racetrack. Yes. And you're so used to Mini takes the states. As soon as he's in a Mini, it's like, ooh, let's see how fast we can go. I'm not sure about how fast we could go. I mean, it's a fun-to-drive brand. It's like driving a go-kart. It's small. It's not <laughs> squishy and soft and, you know, sedan-like. It's... Uh, it was fun, and uh-huh. I did notice you immediately crossed your arms. You sat back in the seat like we were about to parachute out of a large plane. Correct. You didn't have a helmet on, though. You probably wish you did. No. <laughs> Goggles we, and We helmet. needed that in the slingshot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, yeah, just, you tensed up. You grabbed the steering wheel. You went into the... Uh, I almost felt like we were in a plane being told we were about to crash. You were, like, crossing your arms, holding the seatbelt. I do. I always cross my arms, and I hold the seatbelt tight. In my hand. I still am bemused by the fact that you still wish to ride with me to the station every show. You know, you only live once. you got to have some adventure, Maybe you don't live that often. (laughs) Maybe that life will be shorter if you ride into the station with me every week. I don't know. Uh, But you still choose to. Yes, I do. Maybe it's the free coffee at Starbucks when we go through the lineup. That's what still makes you want to drive with me. (laughs) No, I just like, I told you. You were ready, though. It's funny, and one of the things I noticed on the drive-in today is, uh, of course, Minio has been utilizing the Union Jack, the British flag, mm-hmm. flag all over mm-hmm. their car. It's in the taillights, it's on the roof, it's in the, in, it's on the dash inside. And you point out, you know, this reminds me of you. Uh-huh. Every the time I see one, it reminds me of six, a Union Jack. 65 million people in America, it still reminds and 65 million people in the UK, still reminds me, still reminds you of that. That's me. No, the only two things I swear, I like I can walk around anywhere, and if I see a mini, you're first on my mind. If I see Union Jack, you're first on my mind. I mean, I I sort of adopted the Union yeah. Jack as my insignia. Exactly. You know, like I have. Uh, and you've owned. I have a Union Jack leather jacket with Union Jack on the sleeves. You have socks. So pretty nice. You well, have every shoes. time every time I'm on TV, you, do I have shoes? Yes, I used you, to. Yep. I don't yeah. think I have anymore. Shirt. Uh, That's as far as I know. I'm not going. I don't think anywhere. I have a shirt anymore. Used to. 
Did I? Yes. I don't think I have anymore. Oh, well. I have. A, I had a vest at one point. Mm. It was a bit gaudy. Got rid of that. Uh, every time I'm on television, if you ever see me on uh, the news in the morning, I'm always wearing Union Jack socks. You would never know it because I don't usually show my socks on TV. But mm. uh, always, uh, somebody outed me. I was on uh, some morning show once. They said, uh, apparently we read once somewhere that you wear Union Jack socks every time you're on TV. Mm-hmm. And they went like, show us. So I did. Uh, and they were really surprised it was true. That's <laughs> funny. So, yeah, I do. In my mind, you're still Captain Ascot. Captain Ascot. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't wear one on the radio. Though. No. Just yeah. when you're on the radio, don't even put makeup on for when when I'm on the radio. I know. Well, I get this the is real r- raw Nick Miles. Cool. Raw. That sounds like I'm like nasty. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I'm don't shower. <laughs> Sweaty and stubbly. No, and, yeah. you do shower. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally. I did talk to one of my friends. We had a when we had the power outage. I said, uh, "Do you want to come over use the shower and hot water?" He goes, "Oh no, I, I'm okay. Once a month." I was like, "All right, uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for sharing." Uh, it's been a big week as far as news is concerned. Still going on the whole Tiger Woods accident, uh, and I think I'm very well positioned. CNN called, wanted to talk about this, uh, and it went to our auto expert, they wanted uh, to have a chat about Tiger Woods. Always happy to do that with anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm in a good position, um, you know, our auto expert, plus spent uh, a whole bunch of years as a paramedic. Correct. So uh, very well equipped to talk about this. Uh, been to some of the most horrific crashes in the world and um, uh, helped try and save some lives uh, from those crashes. So well equipped to talk about this. Some things that people haven't been talking about um, it's a sad situation. Let me just say, very thankful as far as Tiger is concerned that he came out of this alive. That's the first thing we, we should talk about. Second thing is, uh, very sad that this could be the end of his golfing career. Uh, I'm not, uh, definitely not an expert in, in his recovery, and I'm not aware of his injuries exactly what his injuries are but his orthopedic injuries seem to be his legs and his ankles as far as reading the news reports and my understanding is from those people who are specialists in golf that uh, he's going to need his legs and his ankles to be able to uh, to swing and it looks like that's not going to be good for him and his career could possibly be over He's come back amazingly from some horrible, I think he's, he was on his fifth back surgery, and he's really fought hard. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't have gone through what he's gone through to continue working on his career, but this may be the end. And I really hope it isn't, but it, the, the stars don't seem to be in his favor right now. So that's hor- horrifically sad, but we should be thankful for what a great career he's had so far. Let's talk about the accident. Looking at the vehicle there's some really interesting things. He was in a GV80. I've driven this vehicle. My whole heart says that Genesis is a great that Genesis is a great car company. Uh, they are the luxury arm of Hyundai. Um, I'm not super familiar with the crash rating. The crash rating of this vehicle has not been announced from the IIHS. I can tell you that Genesis just walked away with amazing crash ratings for the rest of their vehicles. Uh, the test results aren't in for the 2021 GV80, but the, the news this week was that the G70 and the G80 both got top safety picks. Uh, they were top safety picks winners 
for Genesis. And uh, Kia, Hyundai, and Genesis came out top of the heap mm -hmm. when it goes to safety picks. So there's no uh, the G80 well, and the GV80 are built on the same platform. Well, so Look at the actual photo. Now, they stated that this car flipped several times. So you can, well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So if you look at the photos that are available of the accident, you can see there is almost no front end of the car. And you can see it's angulated. Right. So let's talk about that. That's how these vehicles are designed. Exactly. They're designed to disintegrate at the front. Why? They're designed to disintegrate because crashes cause huge amounts of energy. Mm -hmm. And that energy has to go somewhere. Right. So the metal of the vehicle absorbs that energy. That energy goes into the frame of the vehicle. And so it absorbs that energy, that protected Tiger. Totally. That completely protected him. If this had been a vehicle 10 years older, oh. he may not have survived the accident. No. Now, here's the other problem. And that, it hit a tree, too, as well, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm, un, I'm unaware of what if it hit a tree. The speculation is it hit a tree. I don't know if anybody witnessed the accident. The speculation is it hit a tree. Here's the other thing. You don't see the engine. I can't see the engine in these pictures. I cannot see the engine. Um, when I look back there, I don't see an engine. That looks like an it, alternator. It, right it looks like engine parts. Yeah. Where's the engine? The engine comes. It looks like it dropped down. The engine comes back into the cabin. Now they protect the cabin as much as they can. They build reinforcements at the back of the engine compartment into the passenger cabin. You can't. It's not infallible that passenger cabin, but the cabin is the reinforced portion where the occupants are. Right. This is what Genesis did. They made the strongest part of the car where the passengers are to protect them. That's the most precious portion of the cargo in this car. So at this portion, the engines come back. That's probably where he got his leg injuries. That's my guess. I don't know this. I'm not a crash expert, but I'm guessing that the engine came back. And that's why he got leg injuries, because the engine came back towards where his legs were. But they did. The cars are built to protect those passengers. You see how far that engine or what's left of the engine is moved back. Yeah, but you see when you like see it, it from the front. When you see it's from the front, you can see the engine's not where it should be. Right. It's moved back. So when that car went down, there was a huge amount of pressure and pushed the engine back. But but the engine went down mm -hmm. instead of coming up into and, the cabin. And, correct. So any, any injuries to his leg was probably caused by as much of that engine that moved back. And you can see the back end of the vehicle has some serious damage as well on one side. That's probably because the car did a cartwheel yeah. and that portion hit the ground. He is so lucky. If he was driving something that was older, there's a likelihood that Tiger would not be with us today. Exactly. So this vehicle, I'm pretty sure, saved his life. Now, we still don't know. I'm, again, not an engineer, not an expert in, in crash dynamics, and I'm not an expert in uh, injuries from an accident. I just have been there and rescued people. He is so lucky. He didn't have a broken back, as I, far as I understand. His worst injuries were leg injuries, but he's still alive. He could quite easily have not made it out of this accident. So my summation from Tiger Woods' accident is... He is a lucky, lucky, lucky man. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I understand from the local law enforcement department that this was an accident. They haven't indicated in any way, shape or form that Tiger is facing investigation or any charges against himself. 
that this was purely an accident, and that is the understanding. It's an unfortunate thing. Tiger is still alive. That is a blessing. His career is in question, but we should be thankful for a great golfer who is still alive and a career that he had. All right, our auto expert will continue. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Millions of Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert. Find us at ourautoexpert.com. Miriam Joie is uh, one of the leading tech bloggers and informational people when it comes to tech. Tank Girl is her... uh, mantra i guess and she joins us on the phone miriam it's uh great we met each other at mini takes the states i miss you dearly and i enjoy every moment we ever get to spend together uh, ces this year was a i guess a virtual event is the best way to put it and as far as tech goes uh was there a big amount of tech that uh was car industry bound? I know it's usually all about autonomous vehicles and flying cars. Uh, was that mostly the core of what we saw at CES at the beginning of the year? It was, Nick. Hi, and thanks for the great intro. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was a lot of what we've seen evolve over the last few years. CES, which is kind of this pie-in-the-sky future of you know things that um, – you know, really are going to take a while to get there. A lot of the assumptions around the tech that we're seeing at these trade shows are kind of when we have autonomy in cars, right, which we don't have yet, right? So a lot of it is kind of, as I said, pie in the sky. But that doesn't mean that we can't dream. And I think it's very healthy that we look at what will happen once most of the cars on the road are autonomous. Um, What will passengers do? What will, quote-unquote, drivers, since they won't really be drivers, do. And, you know, for those of us listening here that are car enthusiasts, it sounds horrific, but at the same time, you know, there is a chance that, you know, you'll be able to still drive your own car and uh, the cars will support two modes of operation. So, but for those who are just passengers, you need to find a way to keep them entertained. And so a lot of the focus we see, for especially CS, which is a consumer electronics show, is around, you know, displays, uh, in, in, in car entertainment, this kind of stuff. Um, but the rest of it has been pretty much a rehash of what we've seen in the past, which is, you know, a lot of EVs, right? A lot of traditional car makers really pushing their EV strategy now that they've seen that this is a viable thing with Tesla and others. And, uh, you know, things like over the app, they say that basically, uh, and again, I hate to point Tesla out, but, but they are the ones doing this first. So, all these things that are common for Tesla, like high-speed charging, over-the-air updates, some sort of assisted driving, all these things are what traditional car makers are really putting effort into now. I think people are fascinated by things like flying cars, and there's a lot of people getting into that sort of space. But it's really going to be outside the budget of most of us. I mean, there's no way that I'm going to be taking a flying taxi from Portland, Oregon to San Francisco to have lunch with you. I mean, the cost is just going to be astronomical, at least at the beginning, right? Yeah, I think at first we're going to see this for like kind of executives. You know, like today you can fly from JFK to downtown Manhattan for I think about $100 uh, with a helicopter for hire. Like basically, you think Uber, but for a helicopter. Um, in fact, I believe Uber did have a helicopter division briefly. Um, and, and so I think at first it's going to be that, but I think we're going to see a lot of people with money 
eventually have some sort of self-driving drone, as it were, that can, you know, pod that can have two people in it that, that flies around from short distances, you know, like like 100 miles, 200 miles. Um, and I think that same on the road, right? You're going to see at first, we're going to see a lot of luxury cars getting, uh, you know, autonomous, full self-driving, level five. But it's going to take a while to trickle down simply because of the cost, right? And and I think that, you, but you've seen it in smartphones. The cost was really high at first. And now you can buy a decent smartphone for $200. Sure, it's not going to be as fancy as like a $1,000 flagship. But at the same time, the experience is very similar. You're not losing out too much. It's the same, I think, as today. It's hard to buy a bad car today. Even if you buy the cheapest modern car, new, it's not going to be a lemon. It's going to be pretty decent with safety, pretty decent with amenities and technology even, like Bluetooth, wireless charging, USB Type-C, all the stuff that's standard nowadays in most cars, right, that you buy new. So I think that, that you know, it's not going to take too long, but I feel that... Right now, we still need to focus on the basics. We need better batteries for our EVs that charge faster, that are lighter, that give us better range, better energy density. We need better infrastructure for charging, especially beyond Tesla. Tesla's got a good infrastructure, but you know, Electrify America is not where it should be. Uh, we, we're missing a lot of these. If you buy something other than Tesla right now and you want to do a road trip, it's challenging, whereas with Tesla, it's easy. So the other manufacturers, we need to focus on those things rather than right. flying the sky drone stuff, right? Right. No, I, I totally get it. Um, I think the thing that made me chuckle quite a lot is uh, GM had the, uh, the, the the big speech at the beginning of CES. Uh, yeah. Mary Barra came out and made all these big speeches. And then 80% of the traffic that GM got was in the redesign of their logo uh, versus all of the great uh, introductions that they had. Uh, Miriam, uh, it's always a really great pleasure to talk to you. Uh, and, and one of the things I wanted to point out to our audience is not only are you great at talking about future technologies but you review a big portion of all of the new stuff coming out on the market today you do side-by-side -side technology reviews you have uh, you have a great blog and you have also a great podcast you do a lot of stuff tell us how we can find out and follow you on all of your channels and give us where we can go to see all of your current reviews and hear about all of the stuff that you're doing Sure, three things. My handle on Twitter and Instagram is Tanker. I like the comic book character, Drop the Vowels, T-N-K-G-R-L. You can start there. The podcast is Mobile Tech Podcast. If you remember those three words, look, at it, look for it on your podcast app and subscribe. It, it's a weekly thing. And then finally, I write most of my phone reviews in written format, like 2,000 words long form on hothardware.com. All right. It's always a good thing to follow Miriam. She is a, a wonderful individual, and she's one of the most intelligent people I uh, ever get the chance to talk to about tech. The funny thing is, I always have these wild ideas in my head, and Miriam always sets me straight. Uh, Miriam, the <laughs> next time that you're in Portland, please, please come and spend time with me. I miss you dearly, and it's a, it's a great time. And maybe in 2022, 20, uh, when Mini Takes the States is put off until, we'll get the uh, opportunity to drive together as well. If you want to find out more please go to those uh, places we'll try and post them on our social media site so you can at least uh, follow Miriam uh, all of her stuff is great and the weekly podcast is really good to follow as well of course you can follow our podcast at ourautoexpert.com if you go to the website you can see all the podcasts there please follow us comment and you can check out this episode and many other of the episodes as well and of course you can see our latest piece of video which uh, puts together the fact that there are microchip shortages in car 
production as well. You can find out why that is in our Fox News piece. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is our Auto Expert show. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Ask a car question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Experts, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, talking to Vishnu here from uh, Nissan, I'll tell you, when I got the chance to see the brand new Pathfinder and also their brand new truck, which made my mouth drop. Uh I thought, wow, they have really uh, done themselves like a a home run. In England, we'd call it a six in cricket. But it was a, yeah. Uh, Vishnu, do you play cricket? I do, actually. I'm quite the cricket fan, so it's very, very refreshing to hear you talk about it. See? There you go. See? Not to, you know, but most most guys who have Indian heritage know exactly what I'm talking about with cricket, because I can't get enough of it. Uh, Cricket, it would be a six, right? The brand new uh, Pathfinder would be a six for you, and it's a six for me, definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, by the way, I also made a joke when I was on WGN that said, now you can have six kids when you have the Pathfinder because it seats eight. Well, I was a gymnast, so that means it's a 10. Oh, yeah, but that's a score. (laughs) Exactly. Right. But a six, if you know cricket at all, hitting, hitting a wooden ball with a wooden bat outside the boundary when it's when it's bowled at you and it bounces before it comes to you is yeah. really really hard oh, a wooden and ball doing flips on balance beams are no. simple yes okay absolutely. let's talk about the car absolutely <laughs> simple um so first of all uh when i first came to the united states uh, or north america actually because i landed in canada in vancouver canada when i first came to north america i was picked up from the airport in a pathfinder and that was the year, because um, <laughs> it was a long time ago. Uh, so it's been around a while, hasn't it, the Pathfinder, Vishnu? It has, it has. It's uh, actually our longest-running SUV nameplate in, uh, in Nissan here in the United States. So it's been in the market for over 25 years, and uh, now in its fifth generation that we're launching here. It's, uh, it's a pretty important vehicle for you because this... Uh, I would call them these larger SUVs are the the bread and butter for uh, companies like Nissan. And so you guys, when you went into designing this vehicle, you probably were told, if you mess this up, you guys can be looking for uh, for new vehicles. What do you know? Jen's mouth just dropped open. What's the matter? I just realized uh, that Ken Lee was one of the main designers. Yeah. I love him. He is such an awesome guy. <laughs> Have you met him? Yes. Yeah, he's just amazing. Yeah, okay, well, sorry, he, I got all excited. Of, of course, he would be part of it. You know, the Nissan wanted it to be a home run. Yeah, right. He's a great guy. Um, the the uh, the idea is you were pro- you guys were probably told this better be a home run for for Nissan, right? That's that was the mantra you were given. Oh, absolutely, especially because you know, versus ten years ago or twenty years ago, some of the segments that an average uh, family might go around in, let's say, a minivan. Or kind of, uh, let's say, a bit contracted, and so you know, large SUVs these days are sort of the the lifeblood of the of the average American family, and so it's a huge segment. It's a segment that we've played in for a long time. So yeah, there was a lot of pressure to get it right. 
So what, what would you call the, the Pathfinder's main competition out there? Where, where is this going up against? What are you going to have to? Uh, and one of the things that Nissan obviously does is you can usually out-content and out-price most of your neighbors in, in, the, uh, in, in, in the field. So what, what's the competition in this? It, it, what are people going to be cross-shopping the Pathfinder with? Typically, this is cross-shop with uh, the Ford Explorer is uh, sort of a, a, a big player in the segment, as well as the uh, Toyota Highlander and perhaps the Honda Pilot as well. Right. So it's a pretty tough segment as well. It's uh, so the, is, it, is that the midsize SUV? Yeah, we would call that large SUV segment. Some people call it midsize, but uh, certainly it's a step up above the Nissan Rogue in that segment there. All right. So... Definitely eight, eight people seating is, is about as big as you can get. Uh, the features that the Pathfinder have are, when I look down the feature list, it's pretty impressive. Definitely the fact that it has a 10.8-inch, uh, available 10.8-inch heads-up display, a 12.3-inch uh, digital dash, you know, Pro Pilot Assist. I mean, there is an awful lot of stuff that comes in this vehicle. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of technology in the vehicle. Um, obviously, some of it is, is very much on the cutting edge, like the, the big uh, the 12-inch TFT meter right in front of you. But some of it really comes down simply to the family flexibility as well, right? Because ultimately, that's sort of the bread and butter of how you use the vehicle every day. So some of the technology is as simple as really just mechanical innovation. You walk up to the vehicle, and now when you open that second uh, second row of the back doors, your kids don't have to have a lot of, you know, strength or, or dexterity to move that seat forward and jump into the third row. All you have to do is hit a button, and the seat automatically just flips forward and slides forward by itself. So it's even innovation in that kind of area that really helps that, you know, that typical Pathfinder buyer um, in their day-to-day. Yeah, so you're giving power to the five-year-olds now to get themselves into the back of the vehicle, which is always great because usually if families are buying this vehicle, there's probably mom or dad with a younger child in their arms and they, they don't have the energy dexterity if they have their hands full to get the younger ones in the vehicle as well. Uh, and obviously Rogue, the new Rogue was a home run for you guys. And this looks like, looks like, and I haven't driven it yet, it's going to be a home run. How is it going to be uh, as far as all-wheel drive and, and doing a little bit of mild off-roading, do you think that it's going to to have that uh, capability to go skiing and capability to go to campsites, that sort of thing? Did you build in uh, some systems in there to, to give it uh, off-roading capabilities? Yeah, absolutely. So it, 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 we did it really in three, three key areas. So one is you've got uh, the all-wheel drive system itself, it's now a, what we call a direct coupling system. Very simply put, it's more predictive than it is a reactive. So the wheels don't have to slip before it starts sending power to the right places. It's already predictively doing that. So that's a huge advantage. The second is the approach and departure angles. As you're going off-road, you're trying to clear obstacles, it's got better approach and departure angles than the previous car. And the third thing is, again, coming down to that practicality. You're carrying those skis, or let's say you do go skiing or, or, or hiking, and now you've got some muddy boots. It's the only car in, among its key competitors that it's got an underfloor storage that's um, it's, uh, got a nice hard plastic casing, so you can easily wipe that down and clean it up and put your muddy boots in there and don't get the, the interior all ruined. So really kind of going, looking at it from all the different approaches and, and how somebody might use it. Now, I know in the back of the Rogue, you made space for what you call a, a four-gallon or a, a large milk uh, jug in the back for space. Yep. Uh, did you guys think about space in the back? I mean, by the way, 
when I would go to the store, being the fact that there's two of us and five dogs and no kids, it might be a 1.5 liter bottle of rum instead. But did you <laughs> did you make room for you know storage uh, compartments available in in the Pathfinder too? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that was a huge focus. Uh, we had uh, a couple of interesting targets. So one was we had to be able to fit a 120 quart cooler behind the third row. So one of the only vehicles in the segment that can do that. The other was you have to be able to fit four golf bags behind the third row. Again, pretty much the only vehicle in the segment that can do that. So uh, very much uh, focused on that storage flexibility, the ability to use that with all three rows up, right? No one wants to have to squish in or fold a seat down. So that was a huge focus. I think, by the way, the, the, the rear end of this vehicle is just astronomically well designed. I mean, the front is beautiful too, but don't get me wrong. The rear is just, I mean, I look at the back of this vehicle and it's absolutely outstanding. I do like the blacked out version. I'm not sure what you would call that, where the V, the, the v motion grill is actually uh, in, in black. So I'm not sure what, which one that is, which one is that with the yeah, we, we have a couple of trims, but, yeah, we tend to go with a bit more blackout detail, and we've got the upper two trims, what we call the SL and the Platinum, come with a two-tone roof where we try to black out the side pillar yeah. and then the top of the roof as well, yeah. give it a bit more of an aggressive look. All right, here comes the hard questions. You ready? All right. <laughs> I, I only Let me see, guess. I, no, wait, I only see, it's future product. I only uh, see a V6 engine here. Did Was this vehicle built with electrification or hybrid in mind? Because I don't see any information about that. So as of now, we're not offering any electrified powertrains in this segment. The bread and butter of this segment has been and still continues to be very powerful, naturally aspirated engines. Again, thinking, for example, about our Pathfinder customer, these are folks that will load it up with up to eight people, but then also hitch a trailer to it and tow, tow with it as well. And we have the highest tow rating in the class, which was very important for us to keep and to have as a, as a claim and as, a, uh, as something that our customers could actually benefit from. And as a result, we really focused on the powertrain that could meet those guidelines. And for us, that was the, uh, the naturally aspirated V6. So what is the tow rating? The tow rating is 6,000 pounds. All right. And that's for a unibody-based three-row SUV is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty high up there. And it's actually uh, the highest in the segment. Okay. But you're not ruling out some future powertrain options. He's not going to tell you. Nope, not at all. Okay. <laughs> no, he just says he's not ruling okay, out. That's well, what I said, not ruling out. I mean, he can't tell me something they don't know yet. Uh-huh. But, uh, it always I, you know, tries. I mean, no, I just, I, I, I noticed it, and it's a question that should be asked, and if he's not ruling it out, it means that the, in the future they may do something. Yes. But that's all I wanted to know. Um, so right now there's just the V6 engine available, is that correct? That is correct, yes. All right. I mean, that is absolutely great. Now, when am I going to get to drive it, which is more important than when does it go on sale? But I do, know, I do want to know when it goes on sale. <laughs> yeah, it goes on sale in uh, late June of this year. Uh, and uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to drive it just before that. Okay. I am definitely looking forward to that. More information, of course, can be found uh, at the Nissan website. As soon as I get to drive it, I will uh, definitely post a TV and a radio segment on it. Uh, You'll be able to see that as well. Uh, Listen, Vishnu, this has been very eye-opening. I think you guys have an amazing piece of machinery uh, with this and the Frontier. I think you guys did a great job as well. They they look very aggressive. I think they're class-leading and...
and uh, the best in class pieces. The towing is definitely going to make you uh, a, a class leader in that. And thank you for spending some time with us. As our auto expert continues, stand by. We're going to have more great stuff on the show. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 10,000 people have downloaded the Our Auto Expert podcast and many more stream the uh, Our Auto Expert podcast. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Pandora app, Deezer, Podbean, and CastBox. OurAutoExpert.com is also where you can find all our videos and podcasts, hours of endless fun for you and the entire family. I'm Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert radio show, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. They get it all from Our Auto Expert. You know... I have been a mini owner for many years now, and uh, recently, I'm not currently a mini owner, and recently I have a mini test fleet uh, vehicle in my driveway, and boy, have I missed driving a mini. Jen hasn't. Jen hasn't missed me driving a mini at all. That was the first thing you said this morning. You walked out there and like, I miss it. I do. Uh, it's the most fun to drive brand in America. You know that, right? Yeah, well, you'll have to get another one. I'm, I'm pining. I'm <laughs> pining to get um, into into a Mini again. Uh, Mini has a new uh, a new lineup of vehicles coming, but uh, any chance, any chance in the world that I get to talk to Patrick McKenna, uh, I will. Um, and he joins us on the phone today. Uh, Patrick, um, Jen was holding on for dear life as I drove my two-door manual Mini into the studio today. And I really felt like it was my own Mini Takes the States just on the short drive. Uh, it's, it's still one of the most thrilling rides of my life. That's because you gave him a manual. <laughs> <laughs> She's blaming you, Patrick. Long live the manual. Yeah. That's right. I love it. She's blaming God you. the manual. Yeah. She's just, she's blaming you. No, um, it, no it's, it's, it's in your DNA, Nick. <laughs> it, it, there's something, you know, there's something reckless about it. By the way, um, thank you. The, the vehicle I have, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. The vehicle I have only has, it's, it's a California plated vehicle. And thank you for just putting one license plate on the back. You may have saved my backside. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Oh, no, yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, fun to drive. Nobody can, you can't explain that to anybody. You just got to sit in the car and say, come back and tell me how it was, right? It's, it's, you got to drive it to believe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to talk about. You can't, it's, it's one of those things that experience is what it's all about. It's fun to drive. And uh, you probably just feel like sometimes you're wasting your breath and say, here's the keys. Just go do it and then come back and tell me that it is really fun to drive, right? Absolutely. And I think people, you know, I think it's deceiving for people who haven't driven one because they, they look at it and they think it's a small car, but it's got, I think what you would describe as go-kart handling. So that's what's you know, brings a smile to your face. But it's actually surprisingly big on the inside, which goes all the way back to 1959 when we started. Yeah, didn't they? They originally, and I know things have changed a lot. They called it the nurse's car or something. Um, well, you know, it was always built with practicality in mind. You know, it was you know pushing the wheels to the corners. It was the first car that had the, uh, you know, basically the engine mounted sideways to give more space. But what they never figured on was that it would become this great fun to drive car. It was always built with practicality, and the fun to drive just came 
just by the way they designed it. And then John Cooper uh, started racing it and started winning, and that's a whole legacy onto itself. Right. I always thought it was Nurses car because they probably married race car drivers. I didn't realize that, you know, and their husbands took the cars on the weekend and raced them. Um, huge year for you in 2020 because you sold more minis than you had banked on. Uh, you know, you, I think you, you'd banked on selling X amount and you sold, you know, more than you'd banked on. But 2021 is going to be an even bigger year. You've uh, you refreshed the lineup. You've uh, you've given us a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, you've you've took away the fog lights and embedded them in the headlights. You've given us a fancy new front end. You've given us a fancy new back end. You, you've put a lot more content in the vehicle. You've contented them up. You've, uh, for what you've given us, the price has actually gone down. Um, you know, if you'd added all the stuff up that you're, that many are giving the consumer, uh, it's costing them less technically, um, in the vehicles. They got spiffier, they're looking better and they're still, uh, as fun to drive as ever. So the deal just keeps getting better. When will you stop giving us great stuff, Patrick? I, I love this type of interview. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Well, you did. Uh, you, think, you knew when you were coming on the show that you were talking to a guy who was a little bit drinking yeah. the Kool Aid, right? No, this is <laughs> great. This is, um, but I think the 2021, I think, is going to be great because I think there's a lot of pent up demand out there. I think there's people have been in two weeks. I, I like many of us. I will have been home for for an entire year. And I think people just want to get out there on the road. So it's perfect timing. So on Monday at Plant Oxford in your beloved England, yeah. we are going to start production on these new model year 22 cars. We're revamping three out of our five cars. Yeah. And like you said, we're putting a lot more equipment. So LED headlights, serious satellite radio, a new infotainment system, bigger uh, infotainment system. For the first time ever in a mini, uh, lane departure warning. And oh. for the first time ever, optional for the cold weather markets, a heated steering wheel for the first time ever wow. in a mini. Some fantastic new colors. My favorite, zesty yellow. Ooh. So uh, I, on the convertible. You so, like that? I do. I think I think uh, a bright uh, zesty yellow is is the perfect way to say goodbye to a pandemic and get in a convertible <laughs> and get it. down the highway. Right. It. I'm still out to lunch about. It. I'm not sure about these zesty yellow. Um, and like you said, uh, you know, like if I add up all these things, it's about two thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. And on some of the cars, we've only raised the price five hundred. What I'm really excited about: this will be our third model year for the Mini Electric, which yeah. is perfect, you know, for a lot of our listeners here. And we start that at twenty nine thousand nine hundred. We've never raised the price, and that qualifies for that seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. Uh, and which is good. Paid. Which is good. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th there's and a great loads of drive good fun. And, yeah. and you guys are doing a great bunch of stuff. But in the last minute that we've got left, how do I make a case for a mini truck? Because you're the you're the guy that can make this happen. <laughs> That'd be uh, so We need cute. a mini truck. That'd be so cute. We do. I mean, you know, like a big a big a pickup truck. Yeah. Yes. An Escalade fighter? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if Mini can make one big enough, but I, I think I think there's a case for a Mini truck. Come on, we all need a well, Mini truck. Certainly in America. Yes. Whether, you know, in the world, not so sure. In no. America, it could probably work. It might but, work. It might work in, yeah. in, like, Asia. Electric Mini truck would probably work in Asia. I don't know if it would you work know. anywhere else. In Japan. Yeah. All their cars are small. May, it may work. 
See well, now, for now, for now, our biggest car is going to stay. The biggest mini will stay. The Countryman. But most importantly, it's the only car that comes standard with friends. You right. know that, Nick. Yes. It's the car that comes with a whole community behind it. And that's what I'm super excited about in 2021, getting and, back out on the road. And Mini takes the States 2022. We're hoping for that as well. And by the way, I would have no friends if it wasn't for Mini. So thank you for that, Patrick. Thank you for being my friend. Um, no, because, no charge. Yeah, no charge. <laughs> no charge. Uh, Patrick McKenna, <laughs> an awesome guy. If you haven't driven a Mini, I'm not even going to waste my breath. Go drive it. Uh, also, they come out on top on many of the surveys. It's still the most fun car to drive in America. All right, stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated, from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. But, but not trucks. Not trucks that we're going to be talking about now. One of the vehicles that I think is probably uh, the most exciting to come out of uh, the Ford Motor Company in many years is the Ford Mark E. And uh, Jen, did, did we drive this to the studio? Yes, we did. No. We didn't? Nope. I thought we had it we drove it to the studio. Yeah, we yes, did. Yes, we did. Oh! I'm so sorry. Yes, we did. I oh. totally lied. We did. Oh. We did. Yeah, we had a, we had a really good time. Yeah. Um, uh, it was uh, it was probably one of the most exciting vehicles that we've had. I was there at the LA Auto Show when they announced the the vehicle. I think that uh, uh, I think it was probably one of the the fastest uh, and and most fun uh, vehicles that we had that we've we've uh, driven ever. Um, the zero to 60 amount of uh, acceleration that it did. And it was also fun to see uh, the vehicle uh, dry. I think do the zero to 60, um, you know, zero to 60 off of the line. It was, it was fun to do the whole recharging. It was fun to see, uh, I think, electrification come to... Um, its fruition, even though at the point that I had the vehicle didn't wasn't able to do the zero to sixty as to, to do the recharging off of the regular plug, I had a recharger going into my uh, new garage, but I had to charge off the plug. So uh, I was running to the supermarket, f you know, twice a day just to make sure I had it charged up. Uh, but it was incredibly uh, seeing it in f charging incredibly fast. And uh, there's a charge point at my local supermarket, so I was able to plug it in. Uh, but I would go shopping, you know. Uh, two times a day just because I needed something out and then uh, have it topped up that way. Surprisingly, came out 20 minutes later and uh, would get it uh, would get it done, you know, get it charged up really well. Uh, for those people that do get an electric charger, an electric car, I would say, hey, um, get, make sure that you get a home charger before you do it because charging it off 110 uh, doesn't work very well as well. So joining us on the phone uh, from uh, Ford EV Communications, um, and the, it, they are the Ford EV Communications Manager, is uh, Thea, uh, Tony. Uh, uh, Thea, first of all, this vehicle has been announced in 2019 at the LA Auto Show, um, but it continues to really be the only mainstream large SUV that has been announced uh, in, in the U.S. Um, and it continues to be, I would say, the biggest 
vehicle, the biggest vehicle out there. Uh, nobody has really come up with an electric vehicle that does as well as the, uh, the Mustang um, uh, Marquis. Have they? They haven't done anything, really. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. And Jennifer, I really appreciate being on the show. And you're 100% right. We revealed the Mustang Mach-E um, back in November of, of 2019. So it feels like it's been a long time. But um, the vehicle actually just started going on sale in December of last year. So um, we're really excited to have the Mustang Mach-E now coming out on, on roads and, um, and having to, you know, be able to have the opportunity to have consumers in vehicles. And it's just been a, a really exciting time for Ford Motor Company and, um, and a really exciting time in the electric vehicle space overall. Now, so you, you have, uh, you know, you, you've made a, this sort of big announcement uh, that you have some stuff going on um, and it's sort of versus uh, Tesla. You have some insights uh, spurred the, the creation of the Mustang Marquee versus everything, a campaign that spans across uh, five films that pin the electric SUV against extreme elements, uh, gravity, uh, uh, lightning, uh, racing pit crews, a DNA and uh, events, uh, rocket science. In some, in, you know, it's impressive visual, uh, cap- captivating stunts to flex the strengths that uh, make the marquee a winning uh, contender in electric vehicles in essence the campaign really was uh, coincidentally shot in the same location as uh, Ford versus Ferrari and brings to life the spirit of Mustang uh, it, it pulls into sort of testing the the series of these bold unexpected experiments that are, are really brought to life in the same way uh, you know as the Mustang was brought to life. And so, you know, tell us a little bit about that, um, the Mustang, Marquee versus Gravity, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, well, after the reveal, you know, we've been, we've been monitoring search results for consumers and a lot of other consumer insights to, to really kind of get our arms around, you know, what might be of, of interest at this time for consumers and um, to really recognize that, you know, consumers still have a lot of unanswered questions about battery electric vehicles in general. And we've been also realizing that there are a lot of misconceptions about battery electric vehicles. And um, in general, people have been searching for um, the term versus. So whether it be, you know, uh, this vehicle versus that vehicle um, or the Mustang Mach-E versus something, um, we felt that we wanted to really lean into that insight with this campaign because during the last 12 months, those searches specifically in the electric vehicle space went up by 64%. Um, so that really was kind of the insight that spurred the creation of the Mustang Mach-E, the everything campaign. And we teamed up with our, our creative agency partner, BBDO New York, and also First Avenue Machine Directors, um, Aaron Duffy and Bob Partington. And they're really well known for their scientific approach to filmmaking. Um, so in this campaign, what we did is we developed a series of five short, real science-inspired films that pinned the Mustang Mach-E up against those extreme elements. And they're, they're really unexpected, um, things that you wouldn't anticipate. So it's not just, you know, Mustang Mach-E versus another vehicle. Um, but as you mentioned, it's Mustang Mach-E versus gravity, lightning, a racing pit crew, DNA, rocket science. Um, and really being able to kind of shatter the, the misconceptions that consumers have about electric vehicles 
while still showcasing the highlights and the strengths that really make Mustang Maki a winning contender in the EV space. So we're, we're thrilled about this campaign and just really hope that people have the opportunity, you know, to watch the film. They're, they're really eye-catching and, and just captivating content. Did you learn stuff when, when you were making the films that you didn't really realize? We learned a ton. I have to tell you, even just being out on the shoot for a campaign like this was, was just a type of energy that I, I have not experienced in the production or on the communication side ever. And, you know, we, we learned a ton. And really what, what came to life the most is the fact that, you know, we can we can give specs about vehicles. We can talk about electric vehicles and we can talk about the Mustang Mach-E as, as much as we want. But until people really have the opportunity to kind of visualize and, and see and experience and feel what the Mustang Mach-E really means and how it can really showcase all of these benefits to consumers, until they have that experience to do that themselves, it's really hard to, to fully understand it. So, for example, in um, the film that we did, Mustang Maki v. Rocket, um, that was one that just really kind of set us all back in our, our seats. We we went out into the middle of the Mojave Desert, built, you know, 12-foot rockets <laughs> to shoot off. But the whole intention was really to help, you know, visualize for consumers what an impressive range is. Because we can say, you know, that an all-electric Mustang Mach-E has, has an EPA-estimated range of 300 miles. But it's really hard to identify what that really means. So what we did is we shot off a rocket um, in the desert with a camera attached to it. And as the Mustang Mach-E kind of shoots across the desert, the camera's tracking, and you're able to really visualize in a radius around California from the Mojave Desert and seeing, like, these key milestones of, of different cities, you know, L.A., San Diego, and to really get a visual reference of what a 300-mile range actually looks like to kind of, you know, really bring home that message of the fact that we have this impressive range capability. So across the five films, you know, we address a lot of different things. So um, although we're pitting the Mustang Mach-E up against these extreme elements, you know, we're really leaning into the performance, the range, the, the personalized technology, um, over-the-air update capabilities, and even fast charging. So, but they're done with these kind of scientific-inspired experiments that make the content, you know, really fun to watch and, and really entertaining. So the final question, obviously, is when you showed these to consumers, did it change their mind? <laughs> We hope so. We launched the campaign February 11th, and I will tell you that we've had just great reception so far from consumers and also from the media. So um, we really do hope that this does change people's minds and also that it helps educate um, as well around battery electric vehicles and, and really helps people understand, you know, what the Mustang Mach-E can offer. So there's, there's nothing that compares to, to the Mustang Mach-E, and, and there's, there's only a way that these experiments could have been pulled off in a way that a Mustang can. So um, it's not just any vehicle that's out there. It's a Mustang. So I think you'll see that, you know, real power, you know, the sense of freedom, the rebellion, like everything about Mustang um, really comes across in these films and, and really showcase how it's not just any electric vehicle, but it's the Mustang Mach-E. If you go out to a dealer today, are you, are you still are you able to, to buy one or are we still in the stages of those people who have pre-ordered them are, are getting them? 
Yeah, we are. Um, so the vehicles are starting to appear um, on our dealership lots, but currently we're still delivering on um, the orders um, from consumers who had ordered in advance. So there's been a, a great demand uh, so far, and um, we're still taking reservations for the GT uh, model of the vehicle as well. And um, and, and now we're, we're making those consumer deliveries, and um, the vehicles are starting to appear as well on, on dealership lots. So really excited to, to get this out into the marketplace. All right. I won't, don't tell anyone, but I have a GT on order. Where can we see the, uh, the films? Um, our films are available on Ford's YouTube channel, um, or you can visit www.ford.com. All right. Thank you. Uh, this is this really awesome information. Now I'm going to have to go and watch them. Uh, check out those, uh, those films uh, that will educate you about the new Mustang. There's more Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about our next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. Uh, I posed this question a few weeks ago. Is the sedan in America um, not doing so well? Is it dead? Uh, America's just gone so truck and SUV crazy um, are we done with sedans? Are we moving forward? Are we out? Are we dropping sedans? But you know what? Uh, I got a resounding, you're full of nonsense, Nick Miles. It's not true. And uh, the facts uh, say, no, we're not done with sedans. In fact, uh, when you look at 16, 17 million uh, vehicles being sold, a good portion of those are sedan, uh, sedans um, in those vehicles. And one man who, uh, who put me straight... Uh, and told me that I uh, I need to relook at my figures, Mister. Uh, was our friend Mark Gillies from uh, VW? Yeah, you you still make quite a bit of money out of sedans, don't you, Mark? Um, we still sell a few cars. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you know if you look at the states, I mean, obviously the market has now gone well over seventy percent uh, trucks. But you know, if you if you look at a good year with seventeen million vehicles, you know, twenty five percent of 17 million is four and a quarter and the majority of those cars um you know actual cars that are being sold these days are, are, are sedans and a lot of them are either um compact or um mid-size i mean the jet is still a very successful car for us for instance um and i think you know if you look at the numbers for things like the, the camry and the accord there's there's still big numbers um and they're you know they're still good vehicles for, for the for the people who are staying in the market. Yeah, I had a, a discussion with uh, someone that programs our website the other day, and they felt that every high schooler in America probably had a, a Jetta at one point or another. It seemed to be the high school, you know, vehicle of choice. Um, and uh, it probably is. I, I mean, I know that several people still think it's probably the best value sedan in America, uh, but I would also argue that at the same time, the, uh, there are other sedans out there that, you know, do pretty well for small family sedans. But then you come to look at something, you know, very much like uh, the Arteon. And it's just looking at the pictures and having driven one out of the press fleet, it's certainly one of the best looking sedans in America. Um, there are 
some sedans that haven't really evolved an awful lot in the last 10 years. And in the Arteon, uh, although it hasn't probably been around 10 years, it's definitely got style and finesse. And I'm not even sure uh, I would... It, it almost looks like it's bridging on the sort of looks of a luxury sedan. Definitely the way the front end looks and the lights going, you know, all the way across the grill. I mean, it, it has the looks, um, certainly the design, uh, of an upper national sedan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's good looking. Actually, I'm running one at the moment. I have one in my driveway, and I do like looking at it every day. But it's also very practical. You know, it's a, it's a sedan with a hatch. And, you know, I was I was putting my bike in the back of my car on the trail one day, and some lady looks at me, and she's like, is it going to fit? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it fits easily. And it's, you know, it fits. There's more space, usable space in some ways, and in some of the compact, SUVs and you know the thing is I've been um, you know I was driving SUVs for years and I've been back in cars recently had a GTI and now I'm in an Arteon and if you like driving I mean honestly there is no comparison between driving a car and the vast majority of of SUVs I mean the SUVs that are most fun to drive are things like the the ID4 or electric um, EV because you know the weight's down low but yeah. the, the great thing about a car is the weight's in the right place yeah they're lighter on their feet um and they just handle better at the end of the day i mean you know you, you <laughs> whatever you do to an suv it, the, the physics are against it in right. most terms and, and i know that's what people want at the moment but driving driving cars ultimately there's more pleasure from driving a car than driving a truck you've actually hit on the two points it's it's funny that you say that because i obviously knew you were coming on the show to talk about the rtn a few weeks ago when i had it in my driveway and um i was thinking what i'm going to talk to mark about let me make me think about this and i was driving the vehicle and i was thinking what what do i like about the rtn and the funny thing that came up is the thing I like about it is it's much more pleasurable to drive than an SUV. Although I'm, I go to SUVs very much. It's fun to drive. A car, you know, sedans are much more fun to drive. I just don't like everybody being higher up than I am. Uh, but when you get it out on the freeway, that doesn't really matter as much. Uh, I mean, it's wind traffic in the city that you don't like it, but not that we do much of that anymore now. We're working from home. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I think the other thing is, you know, if you think about it, I mean. I know one of the things people get worried about in cars nowadays is, you know, if you get clobbered by a, an SUV, yeah, okay, that, you know, that's, that's again, that's physics. A bigger, heavier car right. will usually uh, win out. But then you're less likely to get into an accident in the first place in a, in a car because, you know, you've got more, more braking performance. You've got yep. generally better acceleration for yep. the same, you know, amount of power. Yep. Um, and they go around corners better. So, you know, you're less likely to get yourself into trouble in the first place. And and I see, you know, around here, I live near, you know, a high school, and we've seen a couple of accidents where kids are in SUVs and just have no idea that when you go around a corner too fast, it, it might actually yes. fall over on you, yes, let alone yeah. fall off the road. Yeah. No, it's a problem. Um, so 268 horsepower out of that four-cylinder TSI, uh, starting around $36,995. Uh, lots of new features in the last minute. Uh, tell me what you think the, the biggest appeal, I think, of the new Arteon is for 2021. Well, I think the obvious one is the interior. I think, it, you know, um, we've got a you know, new steering wheel, new center stack, basically, new decor. Um, it's, uh, it's. I mean, the, the old the car that I've got in my driveway is a 2020, and it's a nice interior, but this is, it's brought it up to, you know, kind of Audi-esque levels, I think. Um, so I think, you know, that that's a key thing. New dashboard, um, just 
uh, just a more upscale interior. And we have this new, uh, what we call MIB3 infotainment system that's going to be implemented across the board. And that's got some really nice features, um, very, very intuitive to use, integrates well. You know, you can now uh, get your play-by-play Navi from your Apple CarPlay, for instance, on the digital cockpit. So it's, it's got some really nice features. I think the interior is, is a definite right. upgrade. And you know, exterior, a few minor tweaks, but it was already a, already a pretty... Decent looking, nice decent car, game, yeah. In my opinion, <laughs> um, I will tell you. I'm glad you said more Audi S because I looked at it and go, you know, it's to myself said this looks more Audi S than I expected it to look in the inside now. So you've done a great job with it. Go test drive one today. Thirty six thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars MSRP starting. Uh, the brand new 2021 Arteon for VW. More our auto expert. You're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a question, just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, You just can find some of the best experts that we have in the United States of America, and he joins us every single week. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street or Seeking Alpha. His name, Anton Wallman, and uh, he has the read on what's going on in the automotive industry, especially when it comes to uh, analysts of electric cars, autonomous cars, and the latest in tech. So let's zoom into the world of especially electric cars. And Anton, the European Electric Car uh, Registration has taken a pause in January and February. Why? Well, Nick, uh, the incentives provided by the governments in Europe to sell electric cars are essentially fixed on an annual basis. And 2020 was the first year where the European automakers had to really confront really stringent annual targets for what they had to do for the full year. So what that meant is that it didn't really matter what they shipped earlier in the year as long as they hit the magic number by December 31st. So uh, as you might, uh, this is, might remind you of the old university days, Nick, but you know people tend to cram for the last minute. So the automakers realized that they were running late and they pulled out all the stops, started registering cars with their dealerships and everything else that weren't necessarily even the end consumers. So there were some really big numbers that were registered, in particular in the month of December. And predictably, as the market then absorbs this rush into the end of 2020, the beginning of 2020 has been rather light. Instead of pure electric cars, you're really seeing mostly hybrids and to some extent just some plug-in hybrids. But uh, companies like Toyota, for example, which sells more uh, regular hybrids than any other automaker, are having a huge market share in Europe here in January and February, whereas the uh, automakers that are selling pure electric cars are selling uh, relatively few of them. All right. So were dealerships registering these vehicles to themselves and then selling them on to consumers? So it's sort of a, uh, a bypass? That's right. What they're doing is that they're pulling forward the sales by registering, uh, registering these cars back in December 
And then, uh, of course, when the consumer comes in, then they don't register them a second time, but rather the consumer then buys the car here in January or February. But back in December, the car was basically on the books for the purposes of meeting the regulatory requirements for the European mandate. All right, let's uh, jump to Texas and talk about the winter storms and not just Texas, but anywhere. Um, you know, we had a cold snap in the United States. Uh, power's out for many people for, uh, you know, some people for two weeks. Uh, and if you invested 100% into the electric car industry, uh, it was pretty tragic. And some people who were going to their homes, uh, from their homes to their vehicles to stay warm, that wasn't really an option because uh, your vehicle could be out of power just the same way that uh, you could run out of gas, but you would run out of power and there was no way to really recharge your vehicle unless you left and drove to somewhere that had power. Um, so... Can you, you know, a lot of these places were having some serious power issues. Uh, I know it was a one-off for a lot of places, but it really highlighted the fact that maybe plug-in hybrids were better than just a straightforward electric vehicle. Was there some sort of backlash or or were people sort of highlighting this issue with electric vehicles and uh, power outages during Texas and some other parts of the United States that had some major power problems? Well, Nick, we don't know yet the consumer impact of this, but you're bringing up exactly the right point. The existing gasoline and diesel fueling network is a very well-developed network. I mean, many of these pumps have uh, backup generators to them, and even if there's uh, you're out of power, maybe typically the gasoline and diesel stations um, still have power and can provide you with the fuel, and the network to provide Uh, refilling of all of these stations is very well developed and has been proven fairly resilient to most types of natural catastrophes. Clearly can't handle everything necessarily, but this basically shows that the electric infrastructure and the people who rely on charging at home are vulnerable to certain types of events that may not have caused them too much worry if they had had a regular gasoline car or, of course, a plug-in hybrid where it doesn't really matter from what side of the equation you come from. In fact, it maybe make, make the case for a plug-in hybrid very strong because at least there you have a diversity of fuel sources. You can plug it in in case there is no uh, gasoline nearby, even though your driving distance might be short, uh, or you can just go on uh, to the pump if uh, the uh, regular gasoline station is up and running. Now, of course, you know, places like Texas uh, do really well with trucks. And there are, there are, of course, the Ford F-150 has their hybrid truck that has that generator that can power up to 28 refrigerators in the back. We saw news stories of people running the whole houses off of the back of that truck. Um, that seemed to be a lifesaver for some people who actually already own those vehicles. But there really isn't a truck out there that is electric that has the onboard generator like the oh-so-famous Volt. Uh, does this make a business case for one of those vehicles to sort of be developed? Well, I'm not sure you need to go all that far because the problem here was not the inability to ingest electricity into the truck, but rather the problem at hand in Texas at the time, at this time, was really solved perfectly by the Ford solution because you needed this uh, generator to be humming sort of 24/7 or close there too, which the Ford pickup truck does with a 7.2 kilowatt power output. And really, the question for Ford or any other automaker right now is that. I mean, if I were out there trying to buy a new vehicle, whether it's a truck or an SUV or a car of any kind, 
I would like that in my vehicle. I would be willing to pay at least a grand or two extra, if not three or four, for that functionality because it's a very handy one. You don't have to buy a separate gen set uh, generator and, and install it in a certain way. And this just comes with a car and it's just integrated into the system. It's a really elegant solution. So, I mean, there are many emerging markets out there from India to Africa to Latin America, you name it, where the most popular Ford is the Ford EcoSport. I mean, why doesn't the Ford EcoSport have the same option for an onboard generator as the F-150? Now, if I were Ford, I would be running as fast as I could to commission every single vehicle in the lineup uh, to have this type of generator as an option. Every other automaker should copy it instantly. It's genius. And this really uh, was a, probably the best advertising, advertising event that I can think of that Ford has gotten in my lifetime. It's interesting, you know, uh, Ford shares have started to creep up again. I've noticed this because they were really, uh, you know, junk bonds almost, or some more junk shares at some point. And I've noticed that uh, the share price has started to creep up and creep up, and now they're actually starting to become worth something again. And I think it's things like this. It's things like the Marquee. I mean, they have a bunch of new product that's supposed to be announced, some of which we have never even seen before. Um, you know, there's been... Yeah, but Nick, I think there's actually a bigger reason behind it, uh, why the stock is up and you look at all of these new uh, startups as they were who are going public through the back door so-called special purpose acquisition corporation or called SPAC that have gone public here I mean, there's so many of them we can hardly keep track of them anymore all of these entities they get 20 30 40 50 even 60 or 70 billion dollar valuations in other words some of them are twice as valuable as Ford and they don't even have a product today and in some cases won't have one for a couple of years now, in that comparison, Ford looks obviously dirt cheap. So if people out there want to make a bet on where the stock market is going to go over a period of time, you would think that these things are going to converge and switch places. At some point in the future, when sanity finally prevails, Ford should be worth at least a decimal point or two more right. than any of these little startups that some of them may not even make it to fruition. Right. So I think that is what has set Ford stock up recently. And talking about winter, some range of EVs is holding better, uh, holding up better in uh, in the winter than than others. Yeah, I mean, everybody should know, but they don't, that there's a huge drop-off in the range when you're driving in a pure electric car in winter weather. Really, what we're talking about is just cold, and uh, the drop-off could be as much as uh, 40 or 50 percent. But uh, not every vehicle drops off at quite as much, and we've seen examples such as the Porsche Taycan that have done really, really well in the winter, and uh, the company, when the product came out about a year ago, uh, estimated very conservatively what their range was going to be. And uh, I think that has uh, proven to be uh, a very good idea in terms of under-promising and over-delivering. So when the range was only supposed to be about 200 miles, well, in the worst-case scenario, it turns out it's about 200 miles. Best-case scenario, closer to 300. So I think owners who bought the Porsche Taycan are, go are, are essentially being pleasantly surprised as we speak. All right. The most interesting new EV on the market in the last 30 seconds? Oh, the, definitely the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is a design statement of Olympian proportions, angular designs, huge wheels pushed out to the corners, futuristic, but not in a traditionally futuristic way, shall we say. Anybody who sees this EV may say, wow, if I'm planning on driving something that looks like the future and I want to be different, 
the Hyundai Ioniq EV may just be the answer, Nick. All right. I think that company can hardly do any wrong. Uh, Hyundai, uh, Kia, and Genesis, they seem to be on a score, especially when it comes to things like uh, the 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty, the IIHS. Uh, they're just doing everything absolutely right. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor, The Street and Seeking Alpha, where you can read the majority of his stuff. I challenge you to find somebody who is more of an expert in all of these fields, electric uh, vehicles uh, and autonomous vehicles and emerging tech, especially when it comes to the financial stability of companies and what the stock market is doing. Uh, There's probably not anybody else that's an expert as much as he is in the marketplace, and he can prove it if he shows you his bank balance. He knows exactly how companies are doing and what they can do. That's why he's an independent analyst and investor. All right, more Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people have downloaded our Auto Expert podcast and many more stream us. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora apps. Apple Podcasts, Spotify is probably one of the easiest places for me to get it. And of course, our Auto Expert website. That's the easiest place to get it. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert. It's the radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from our Auto Expert. He's a pal, and uh, he writes for MSN Autos along with our auto expert. You'll find his stuff fluttering around the website, and you can read some of his uh, exciting stories at our auto expert. Perry Stern is here, and Perry uh, had a lot of fun in the snow recently with uh, over 700 horsepower, didn't you, Perry? I did, I did. I, you know, Sometimes you get the right car in the right weather, and we had about eight inches of snow, and I had a... 710 horsepower Dodge Durango Hellcat. Did did you uh, did you upset the neighbors? No, I went out into the country. I didn't want to upset anybody. And just uh, starting it, you upset the neighbors, don't you? Uh, that one is pretty loud. It's got big pipes on the back, and I don't know if I'd upset them, but they're aware of me. I think, right. I think the jealousy <laughs> is more like it. Is it jealousy? I would be. I'd be jealous. In <laughs> in one of the vehicles, I want to say it's the. I want to say it's the Mustang version of their sort of big Mustangs, the GTs or GT500. GT500. They have a a setting that between certain hours you can have it start in not loud mode. Right. So it doesn't wake the neighborhood up. And I'm like, who wants that? I know. I think think that the Hellcat is a little less polite. Yes. Um, The Hellcat doesn't care. The Hellcat's going to make noise. But the best part is not so much when you're starting it. I mean, that's a really nice rumble. But when you put your foot into it, it's this combination of big V8 throaty exhaust with supercharger whine. And it just makes me smile even just thinking about it. Yeah, if my neighbor's it's, windows it's, aren't... It's so much fun. If my neighbor's windows aren't rattling, I haven't done a good job. That's what I exactly. think. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, this thing, is, it's, it is amazing. With 710 horsepower, you mentioned the GT500. This is a three-row SUV that can go zero to 60 in just about a tenth slower than that GT500. Right. So zero to 60 in about 3.4 seconds. The only, down, the only downside The only downside to this, Perry, is you have to visit every gas station. <laughs> no, I'd say the only I down- did manage to. I did manage to get it up to 10 miles per gallon. Excellent. Good job. <laughs> and do you have to seatbelt your groceries in too, right? Well, you have to do that. Um, but that is the interesting thing about Hellcats, you know, not just the Durango, but other Hellcats I've driven too, is they're amazingly easy to drive normal. 
Yes. So you can cruise around town, you know, and if you don't put your foot in it, you know, this is, I mean, this is a three row SUV that can tow over 8,000 pounds. Right. You could use it as a daily driver. Um, and in snow, I mean, in the deep snow, there is a snow mode, which puts 50% of the power to both sets of, you know, to each axle. And it was just perfectly composed. You know, it had, you know, I was very confident driving it and it was cruising through, like I said, eight inches of snow without a problem. Um, obviously tires make a big difference in there too, but it's, uh, it is perfectly usable as a proper SUV and it will still blow the doors off just about anything. My friends, you know, people always say to me, who would buy one of these? And I'm like, me, me, me. <laughs> exactly. I would. <laughs> Although it's, it's not, it's not, well, there's two issues with buying one of these. One, it's $90,000 is what I, the one I was driving. I can sleep in it. And, and two, <laughs> they are only building them for one year and they've already sold them out. Yeah, all right. I'm not, I'm not above buying a used car. That's so disappointing. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. And, you know, who's to say that, the, you know, apparently there's an emission issue with the engine for this blah, particular, blah, blah, for blah. the SUV for next, you know, mm-hmm. starting next year, which is why they can only do one year. But I'm sure they'll work out the kinks and they, they have, back at, they have good engineers that. over at Dodge. And we both know Tim Kaniscus, um, the president of Dodge. I'm sure we could, you know, wangle some kind of deal. Wangle? I think yeah. he's going to figure something out. Yeah. And we'll just make a call. We know enough people. We'll yeah. make a call. Uh, yeah, who who doesn't want one of these things? They're pretty awesome. I mean, and you probably wouldn't drive it that much. Well, I would. What am I saying? I'm lying right now. I was going to say. I could drive it every day. Easily. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, you it, could off-road, it, right, in it? Yeah. What's that? Is it, you could even off-road in it, right? I mean, you wouldn't oh, want absolutely. to. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to scratch it all up, but, you know. Once you scratch it up a little bit, who cares? Yeah, uh, and it's you know it, it's and it's fully you know capable of doing the grocery run. It's good for a road trip, although except fuel economy. But it's got you know the, it had this one had the uh, full entertainment system in the back seat, so you know the kids can you know be watching movies at 180 I mean, miles an hour. You have to think about it. If you're driving an electric vehicle, you have to look at look for charging stations all the way wherever you're going. So you, let's say you're driving from Seattle to Portland, you have to look for charging stations. Well, with this, it's the same thing. You just have to look for gas stations all up and down the exactly. road. Although there's there's a better likelihood of gas stations yeah. than charging stations as See? we found. See, um, again, um, I'm not finding I, any I think any that's reasons what not to do it. Is for, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I again, it's, it's, it's definitely it's definitely an entertaining car. Uh, no question, and and you know it's got the latest electronics too, because Durango, the Durango itself has just been refreshed for 2021 also. So in addition to the Hellcat, it's got you know fresh styling for the rest of the Durango lineup, and they've also got the the new UConnect. The, I think it's UConnect Five, which is a really nice. I mean, we've driven cars with some really crappy infotainment systems that are impossible to navigate. This one's actually really good. Yeah, um, it's very quick. You can you know you can customize it for multiple drivers. You can actually hook up two different phones to it via Bluetooth. You know, so you can have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, and you can swap between the two of them depending on what phones you have. It's kind of cool, and it's all wireless. Yes, I mean again, so, give me a reason I shouldn't buy this. Uh, besides the fact that you can't have one, there really isn't. And ten miles per gallon. I bet you eighty thousand dollars. We could find. I'm one. used to ten miles a gallon. <laughs> yeah, Jen has big trucks. I drive big trucks, so yeah. No so, for me. Again, I'm really not hearing a reason you shouldn't buy one of these, to be honest with you, Perry. No, there really isn't a reason, uh, yeah. unless you know you have like a care of the environment. Or if you <laughs> traded in your wife's new uh, Ascent and your uh, Miata and whatever else you had and a little cash in the bank, you could have one. 
True. I think his wife would hurt him. I wouldn't have a wife anymore either, so (laughs) probably would, you know, not go well. Yeah, it's a bit Um, more costly than for me. Pretty (laughs) pretty sure there is not a Durango Hellcat in my future. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's a bit bit the price is a little higher for you than for me, but, you know, (laughs) still, you have some hard decisions. You have some hard decisions to make. I know, I know. Well, at the moment, I just I swapped it for its sibling. I'm, I've got a Ram TRX I'm driving right now. See? Uh, um, every and, time I go through Starbucks line, and it's really hard to explain to the guys in the Starbucks, they think I have the best job in the world. Oh, they do. They always like Luke always tells me you have the best job in the world, and I dr- have well, a hard time. I have a hard time explaining to him. I just don't only drive the cars. I do a lot of other <laughs> things too. So he he has a hard time understanding that all all I do is not just drive around in these cool cars. I actually have to you know do a lot of office work as well. So the uh, thing is that a lot of other people have to do a lot of office work too, and they don't get to drive around in cool. Yeah, that's exactly, true. That's, that's true. Uh, Perry Stern, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, you can read all of his stuff at uh, MSN Autos or at OurAutoExpert.com. He's a great guy. He has great articles, and he drives great cars. And that's all I have to say. And I hope he's still married at the end of the week. Uh, more <laughs> Our Auto Expert at OurAutoExpert.com. You can listen to this show and all the previous shows as well. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.